the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome. Welcome on back. It's our itsy bitsy teensy weensy Saturday evening show. And I'm so glad to have you here. My name's Randy Corcoran and our phone number is 303-696-1971. 696-1971. And uh, phone lines are wide open. And man, oh man, there's a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, obviously, for me, the last week has been the RNC battle for new leadership, a battle at which we failed. And uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stories that I can share with you and uh, interesting conversations. was wonderful to spend time with Carrie Lake, uh, music, country music legend John Rich, Sarah Palin. The, uh, I'm scheduled, we're scheduled tonight to hear from the two challengers, both Harmeet Dillon and Mike Lindell. Harmeet's locked down. Mike, I have not confirmed a time yet, although earlier he said it would be no problem. And coming up in about 15 minutes, the one and only Kurt Schlichter, Salem talk show host, a lawyer extraordinaire, um, town hall columnist, and very, very active. His his last pinned piece for town hall was called Reelecting Ronna McDaniel is the GOP's worst case scenario. And he was in Dana Point with us, uh, you know, actively campaigning for Harmeet Dillon. And um, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say looking back. Of course, as usual, I intend to be the voice of reason because there is always two sides to every story. Things are not as bad as they seem. The 22 election was not the disaster that so many people feel like it was. The RNC was not paying $900 a night for 168 people. Actually, we had 300 rooms there. But we pay for those ourselves, And we got the group rate at this wonderful, beautiful, incredible, extraordinary Waldorf Astoria Resort right on the beach in Dana Point. We got those rooms for $250 a night. And I just think it's important. Kurt Schlichter didn't know this. I don't think Charlie Kirk knew it. Although we didn't get to talk very long, so I don't know if I was providing new information or not. But others uh, who just assume that part of the claims of massive, massive improper spending by the RNC under the reign of Ronna McDaniel, uh, some of those are just not true, including the fact that uh, that they pay our way. All of the 168, we pay our own airfare, we pay for our own rooms, we pay for most of our food and, and the travel to and from the airport. It is truly a volunteer position and a costly one at that. I was away for a week, you know, that's a week of work. And as an attorney, that's pretty costly. So, uh, you know, it, it is a... It is a labor of love, and over the next few months, I do intend to try and dispel some rumors and some misunderstandings about what is and what isn't so regarding Ronna McDaniel, regarding the RNC, regarding our chances in 2024, 
on and on and on. We're going to jump to the calls in just a second, but I do want to tell you that um, I flew out early, and the point of the trip was to meet up with the Wyoming contingent and fish. Uh, we The first time, my very first RNC meeting, I, we, I hooked up with Wyoming. We went out and did some ocean fishing. I actually had to fly home from my very first meeting, had to leave my proxy. I couldn't vote because my mom fell ill, and I'm so glad I came home because she died a couple of days later. But uh, it's been kind of a tradition. And so the very first day, man, we were out early, 7 o'clock. It was 40 degrees on the water. It was cold till the sun came out. And then it became very, very nice, but catching fish like crazy. And we... Uh, the ones that we could keep, uh, California has some very strict laws. That one's too small. That one's out of season. Uh, but we were able to keep a bunch of fish, and we took them in and uh, went to a restaurant that made the fish fry extraordinaire for us. So that was really, really cool. And we paid for that, not the RNC. In fact, as we were heading back in, the uh, the boat pilot said, look, we've got to get back in. I've got to be somewhere at 2 o'clock. Drop your lines one more time, make it count. And I'd, you know, I'd pulled in some fish, but nothing extraordinary. I dropped in the line, and within 30 or 40 seconds, it got hit hard. And I fought and fought and fought and brought in the biggest fish of the day just as we were pulling up uh, stakes and having to head on back to shore. And it was a sheep's head. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're pinkish, grayish, evil-looking. They've got vicious sharp teeth, uh, just a row that's kind of exposed, especially when you have them on a hook. Got some great pictures. They're out of season, so we couldn't take those in. I hear they're pretty tasty, but we did have some good bass and other stuff. So that was a great start. And uh, I'm going to want to get into some of the ups and downs and the actual vote and the conversations behind the scenes that I think will be significant to you. Uh, We're definitely going to check out early of this segment, so we've got plenty of time with my good friend Kurt Schlichter, who is very upset about the outcome of this election. But uh, but let's make sure we get some time for Rob's call, at least. Rob in Denver, thank you for calling in. Welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, taking on what you have as volunteer to be on the National Committee Force, and thank you very much for supporting Harmeet Dillon's candidacy. I'm disappointed it didn't turn out better, but in, in Ronald McDaniel's defense, I'm not strongly opposed to her as a Republican activist. I just think we could do things better, and I think we needed a change, and I think Harmeet Dillon would have brought a face to the party that we could sorely use in our outreach programs, but Anyway, um, I uh, I wanted to thank you again for all that you've done for the state of Colorado and, frankly, for the nation because of your representation and for doing it voluntarily because I know it's a sacrifice for your business, your family, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Rob, that's very kind of you, and it, it is a labor of love. I, you know, I didn't know anything about the position when I was asked to run for it. I liked the reason that I was asked. And once I got in, obviously, I wanted to win. And I'm starting to, you know, feel my way through where I can make a difference and where I can't. But I have heard from literally thousands of people, especially on Twitter, did a Twitter poll that was seen almost 200,000 times. Almost 30,000 people voted on it. Um, And so, you know, you just get a sense that, that you really can make an impact. You can let other people's voices be heard, stand up for them. And I think that was really important to do. And and last thing I'll say, Rob, is that, um, 
you know, almost a third of the committee voted against the old guard leadership. And that's a significantly larger percentage of uh, grassroots activists on the committee than when I got there. And I think that's a good sign. It takes time to turn the Titanic. I agree with that. And it's uh, the whole idea of what the 20 uh, folks in the U.S. House of Representatives did by getting concessions from leadership. Uh, I think that was a great precedent. I'm glad they resolved it on Friday of the week rather than dragging it out over the weekend. I don't think that would have served our purpose as well because they got a lot of concessions and we don't want to make it a circus or a clown show like some were alleging it to be. Yeah. So I'm thankful for the grassroots input and thanks for your leadership in that regard. Hey, and Rob, you're not going to turn your back on the party, are you? I mean, I've heard so good. Good. I've heard so much of that. Yeah, I, as a conservative or right-wing fundamentalist, evangelical, I'm, I'm, uh, I try to be realistic enough to understand that we have to move the needle. We used, when I lived in Denver, we had a county chair about 20 years ago that he would say, Rob, we need to move the needle in Denver. If we can move the needle several points to five points or more, that helps us statewide. And it's kind of that idea we want to move right-wing conservative principled ideas and policies, but we got to move it at the grassroots and we can't just get mad and say, well, I'm leaving. I didn't get my way. And I know that seems to be the approach of a lot of the new well, now, you know, for people in and for people in Colorado, they're just, you know, heartbroken at how how far behind we are here. But if you look around nationwide, we won the popular vote in 2022 by four million. If that had been a president, right. we flipped Arizona, Georgia and Wisconsin. If that had been a if it had been a presidential election year, we would have won two hundred and ninety seven electoral college votes raised more money, enrolled more young people, more Hispanics, more black people. Just there are so many positives to take away and significant lessons to learn. But I but it's it's headed the right direction. People are waking up and that's I'm very grateful for that. Rob, I'm gonna jump. I really appreciate Thank the call. You. Thank you. All right, the lights are back. That's good. Um all right, I'm back. I got it now. Before we we'll grab Steve before we get to the break. Um I've got a record. We're not going to play this right now, but I've got uh, the interview that Ronna McDaniel did after her victory. I think is very interesting for you to hear. And um, and I just want to say this: I on the way on the flight back, I was unable to. The internet didn't work, so I thought I was going to be able to watch the Tyree Nichols, the video of the police, uh, the death, all of the the uh, horrid behavior that led to the protests that are going on around the country now, but I was unable to watch that video carefully. So I'm not really going to have a lot to say about that tonight. If you want to talk about it, I'm happy to. My questions are, you know, why didn't one of the cops stop other cops that were going overboard? Number two, uh, why didn't the kid just roll over on his stomach and, um, and comply? And you never see somebody getting you never find out anyway about somebody getting massacred or killed if they comply. And uh, and then I also had heard, and I just don't know if there's any evidence to this, that the kid was recklessly driving and swerved his car at or into, not colliding, but toward a cop car. I don't know if that agitated it or not. No excuse. I'm just telling you there's, you know, there's different views, and I don't know enough about it to engage very well. But before we go to break, let's bring on Steve in Inglewood. Steve, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. 
Hey, Randy, I'm actually in Lakewood, but uh, good to be with you and a very smart audience. Well, your hey, your uh, dumb phone says Inglewood. Dang it. <laughs> it shows well, up. My, my smartphone's dumb. Hey, uh, my, my thought here is that when the party needs a pit bull, we got another Cocker Spaniel. Now, Rhonda McDaniel might be just the nicest lady in the world, but she's not properly branding our product. And most voters are perception voters. They don't study issues inside and out like you and I might. They just vote on how they perceive the party, and we are perceived, rightfully so, as feckless, spineless, gutless jellyfish. Why, why didn't Rana call out those 12 traitors in the Senate that signed on to that ridiculous omnibus bill? Because she's the because she's the chair of the GOP, uh, which unfortunately includes those traitors, and so it's not her place. I don't have any trouble with it, but it's not her place to call them out. It just isn't. Let me let me disagree with you All respectfully. Right. Sure. And I do. The, the it is her place. Her job is to market the GOP brand. And to sit back and say nothing lets our opponents brand us for us. We speak for ourselves or we let somebody else speak for ourselves. And we sat on our hands because we're too polite, we're cocker spaniels, we're gutless, and I want somebody to stand up for us. Well, I do appreciate it, Steve, and uh, and I get your passion, man. The, the vast majority of people I've heard from, emails, text messages, uh, Twitter messages, and uh, retweets and comments on social media – have just been infuriated that we didn't make the, that the party didn't listen to the people's clamoring for change. And so I apologize to you that we couldn't pull that off, but I really appreciate you listening to the show and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Randy. All right. God bless. We're going to jump to the break right now so we can spend a good chunk of time with my buddy, Kurt Schlichter. He's fired up as well. And um, I'll see if we can unleash him a little bit when we return here on wake up with Randy Corcoran, 710-KNUS. We're back at 524. So good to have you here. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. I barely made it today. It took the pilot twice to land the jet. We we were so close. We were right over the runway. I could see it. I mean, we were we were landing, and, uh, you know, it was clouds and fog right down to the ground. And then I could see the runway perfectly, and all of a sudden, Power on, nose up, and away we went. And when we got up in the air, the pilot said, uh, folks, uh, I couldn't see the runway, so we're going to go around and try it again. We got our clearances, our, our levels, and uh, we got down there, and I couldn't see the runway. So that was reassuring. Second landing was smooth as can be, although couldn't see the runway again until I got we got right on top of it. And then they wouldn't let me out of the airport. I pull up. I've got my ticket. I've got my credit card. I went just a hair past the machine, so I had to back up just a couple of inches. And the machine went berserk. It said, uh, wrong lot, improper, blah, blah. So I sat there. It reset, looked fine. I stuck my parking ticket into it. It swallowed it and did nothing. So I got out, went over, got somebody. They came over. They, they, pulled, they opened the machine, found my ticket. Then they made me back up, go over to the window, and the very kind, elderly, barely English-speaking lady sitting inside took 15 minutes to get me out of there. 
And I'm thinking, I got a radio show to do. I had no internet on the plane. I could prepare no nothing, no audio or anything. So anyway, so good to be here now. It looks like we're ready to go with somebody I've been really looking forward to talking to uh, after the lengthy vote and disappointing vote that we had in Dana Point, California at the RNC. Author, columnist, lawyer extraordinaire, and my friend Kurt Schlichter is here. Kurt, good evening. Randy, great to be with you. Dude, did you fly from Dana Point to Idaho? I saw a picture of you standing in snow. I'm in, uh, I am in Idaho at the moment. Uh, I uh, came home from Dana Point Wednesday where I was uh, trying to convince people to vote for Harmony Dillon. Uh, as you can see, that was super successful. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I will say this. It's always good when you see me at these events because I think I do a really good job of helping sort of bring you out of your shell and get you to feel confident in speaking out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a shrinking violent usually. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was just amazing. I, I was disappointed. I thought it would be closer. I thought it would be closer to... Um, I I suspect some people who said they were going to vote for Harmeet, uh, either to us who were whipping for Harmeet's uh, uh, side and keeping track of who was uh, committed to who, or uh, people who committed to their own voters. Because these uh, members were, and I bet you were getting a bunch of emails saying, hey, I really want Harmeet. And um, uh, some of them said, yeah, I'm totally going to support Harmeet, and clearly didn't. It was interesting. I talked to Ronna McDaniel after, and she had announced when she announced run, her run for the fourth term that she thought she had the support of the committee. She had 101 votes, I think, that she claimed at the start, and she wound up with 111. So she actually increased her whip count. And so th- it does make it feel like people who are saying one thing maybe did another. And that's the problem with the secret vote. Yep. Uh I, uh, I I find it interesting that so many of the members were willing to, uh, you know, the 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 po- folks who sent them to Dana Point, the the base of the GOP live in a world of accountability. If they failed five times in a row, they wouldn't have a job. Uh, but they're being they're going to be led by someone who has failed five times in a row, and she's been rewarded with another term. And there's a huge disconnect. I thought it was very interesting what Charlie Kirk had to say. He was talking to some of the members. Some of the members were, I wish these people would leave us alone. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, my favorite was, we need more people, fewer people who listen to Tucker Carlson and more who need to read newspapers. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if you're, you know, it, it, oh. the, the problem is, for, for a lot of people, as you well know, being one of the uh, RNC committee members, is a reward for 30 or 40 years of hard work uh, uh, in the state party. And then you get to take, then you finally, you know, reach the top in the state party. You get to be a, uh, a member for uh, a term or two. And, uh, you know, these people are very invested in the present structure. Well, and unfortunately, the present structure sucks. Here's something that I was, that at least for me, generated some optimism. Over, well, almost a third of the entire committee voted against the established leadership. And I've only been on the committee a couple of years, but I would have told you based on votes that I watched and people that I talked to that that percentage was maybe 20 or 25 percent of the, you know, the grassroots folks, the folks that didn't work their way up through the party structure or work in some area of government or for some candidate forever. And then this is their place to go 
reside and, and sort of guide the ship, I feel like our influence is growing. I thought it would be stronger than it was this last week. Um, I I thought so, too. Uh, we got to remember, you know, it's really interesting. You look at some of these people, and they're from red states. Red states that always vote Republican, and they're soft. They're soft Republican, and you and you under, got to understand. A lot of these people came up, and they didn't have to fight as Republicans. They they didn't have to fight the you know like a blue state guy has to fight liberals all the time. A purple guy like in Colorado has to fight liberals all the time. If you're in say oh I don't know Idaho, everybody's a Republican, and everybody who wants to get elected to something becomes a Republican. So you get a lot of much more liberal people becoming quote unquote Republicans. And they're not hardcore. And uh, so, you know, you get the head scratcher of these people from these deep Republican states voting like Mitt Romney. I, I can't imagine Mitt Romney being reelected again. I, I, I pray that we put a stop to that. But, you know, one thing I do like to remind folks, uh, Ron, Ronna Romney McDaniel talks pretty freely, especially when she's not on a podium, about how difficult, for instance, you know, family gatherings, Thanksgivings are with Mitt because they are so unclosely aligned on how the party should move forward, et cetera. You know, she was Trump's hand-picked chair. She, her last term, she was reelected by acclamation at the request of Donald Trump. He made a special recording we all watched before we went ahead and made that decision. And, uh, uh, so, you know, she's not a Romney. I, I just don't like I, I, that I, tag I, on I, her. I think that I think the uh, Mitt Romney thing for Rona McDaniel is uh, uh, a, a, a tacky distraction. I think, you know, and there are also people uh, there were also people who uh, went after her religion and uh, in the past, not us who were supporting Harmeet, who was attacked for her religion. Yeah. And I think that's stupid. My objection to uh, reelecting Rona McGann is very simple. She's had five cycles, including two runoffs, uh, uh, and she's failed in every one of them. That, that's it. If she was successful, I'd be the biggest Romney, uh, uh, Romney McDaniel supporter in history. I don't care who her cousin is, but she just wasn't successful. It's we, nothing personal. She just isn't good enough. But, you know, I'm not one of the 68 voters. We are talking with the humble and shy Kurt Schlichter, a townhall.com columnist, a Salem radio host, a very prolific author. What do you have, your seventh fiction book in the, the yep. series that you do? Inferno. Yeah, yeah. It's out. You should get it. It's out there on Amazon. Go get Inferno. Babies do good, don't they? So um, let let me put on my Defend Ronna McDaniel hat. And, and everybody knows I was there pushing and, and voted for Harmy Dillon. By the way, what did you think about that one vote for Lee Zeldin? There's a there's a courageous outside uh, of the... You know, I... Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I felt kind of the way I felt about the Mike Lindell vote, which is, you know, hey, you, you vote for whoever you think is bad. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty clear Mike wasn't going to win, and I don't think Mike was right for the job. I think there are other jobs where he could be for use. And, uh, you know, so those five votes, I think, would have been nice to go to Harmeet. Sure. Uh, but, but the real thing is the major- a significant majority of the RNC decided to ignore the grassroots. The grassroots were unequivocal. Yes. 
there, if you voted for uh, to for Rona, you knew you were go, you were telling the grassroots to screw up. And I've heard a lot of people say, "I'm done with you." And I, I, I you know, how, how I, I'd like to see uh, Rona trying to do that. I have heard, uh, I, I've heard people who've talked to Rona at, uh, before after the election. Uh, I have heard Rona's statement where she says, "I want to go out with hard meat and meet with the grassroots." I think those are the right answers. I'm not one of the people saying, "Screw the RNC, battle with it." You got to go to fight with the army you have. Uh, and you know, we had an election and we lost. But I, I think it's a huge challenge, and I don't know how. You know, I'm a trial lawyer. How do I get there? How would I tell normal people, "Hey"? You've been disrespected and told your view doesn't matter. Now get to work. I think that's a very hard sell. I agree 100%, although my experience, and it's limited, you know, 12 years maybe since I came off the couch with the Tea Party, started realizing that the, where the change had to occur was from the ground up inside the Republican Party. And, yep. and then all of a sudden, accidentally, as the Republican National Committee man. Um, but people do have short memories and you know, we've got Republicans typically do well in these off year elections with mayors and school boards and city councils. Uh, even here in Colorado, we've done fairly well. And then there's a presidential primary right around the corner. And so my hope is uh, we can't afford to lose the enthusiasm. We can't afford to lose the support, small donations, big donations. All of it is so critical and there have been some advances made under McDaniel's leadership that maybe we can build on. Well, look, I, I saw her total failure preparing for the legal fight in 2020. She was unprepared. Uh, I blame her and Trump, Trump's head of the party. So, you know, I, I blame look, I blame the commander. I blame her because she was supposed to execute. She didn't. Um, and uh, I, I don't think either have been held to account for that. Um and, I, and I'm a guy who wrote a book defending Donald Trump. You know, when he screws up, I'm going to fly it out. When he's good, I'm going to fly it out. And I'm going to vote for him to be the nominee. Uh, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, it was very, the dynamic also with the election is very interesting because it wasn't never Trumpers on one side and Trumpers on another. It was a mix on both sides. You had some never Trumpers who thought Rona was the tool of Trump. And Trump's people were uh, soliciting votes for uh, Rana, even though he officially took no position, but there were also super hardcore Trump people, not least of them Harmeet, who lawyered for him uh, on the Harmeet side, and never Trumpers on the other. Uh, so, so it wasn't it wasn't an easy. You couldn't divide it up. Never Trump, you know, pro Trump. That wasn't that was not the dividing line. Yeah, it seemed to be just uh, loyalty uh, within with someone they'd worked with. There was an argument that uh, a change would. Um, disturb momentum, which uh, that's an argument. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a crazy argument. Yeah. I just don't think it's supported by facts. Yeah, Kurt, I was surprised that the last minute, and maybe that's part of the problem, last minute endorsement, clear endorsement of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, in his interview with Charlie Kirk, that I didn't get exposed to until the night before the vote. But I was surprised it didn't have a bigger impact because there's a lot of DeSantis fans on that committee. I, you know, I'm not sure endorsements are what they used to be, because for all practical purposes, Trump endorsed Corona, and I'm not sure how much that matters. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we, we, we saw a lot of really crappy endorsements last time. I mean, Herschel Walker, nice guy, bad candidate. Dr. Oz, nice guy, bad candidate. Uh, endorsed by Trump. And Trump's endorsement may have got him barely over the line in the primary, didn't get him over the line in the uh, general. I think the power of endorsement, for good or bad, is more limited than we expect. I, I expected the DeSantis thing to be bigger, too. Uh, DeSantis has positioned himself in a very interesting way. He is now. He now said, "I think we should change." So if Rana screws up, he's got an "I told you so." If Rana doesn't screw up, she's got to be doubly careful. She doesn't look like she's putting her finger on the scale in favor of Trump uh, because uh, DeSantis uh, support her opponent. Um, so I think uh, you know. I, I, I think positioning-wise, it's a very good position for him to be in. Uh, I was kind of surprised. I I thought the best move for most of the politicians was to stay out of it uh, because there's some risk to you, and it really should be the voters. But you know, he 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 wanted to endorse, so or, or so he did. Kurt Schlichter is with us as we wrap up. Kurt, the uh, obviously the that election is behind us. Presidential primaries around the corner. What are you going to be suggesting or encouraging disaffected, angry, grassroots Republicans to do as we move forward? I think the most important thing to do, Randy, is not what the enemy wants. And what the enemy wants is you demoralized and angry and just saying the hell with it. And I understand the temptation. Uh, I'm not going to say I don't feel it myself sometimes, but that's what the enemy wants. And simply because your leadership makes a bad choice. And I think, you know, I, and I hope, I hope Rona proves me wrong. I would love to get it just, just like Trump proved me wrong. I was not a Trump supporter in the uh, primary. I was a, uh, I, I was a cruise guy and I support Trump because he was a nominee and I thought he was a great president and I was happy to support him in 2020. I actively wanted him. Um, so I'm, I'm perfectly willing and, and eager to say, you know, I was wrong. I, I want that. Uh, this this is bigger than just being disrespected, which I, I kind of think a lot of people feel they were disrespected. This is about our country and where we're going to have freedom back. And we're going to lose battles in this campaign and this war. We're going to lose battles. And I think we lost one on Friday. Uh, I don't know how in the long term, how much effect it'll be. But there's going to be another battle tomorrow, and we, we've won them. 100%. We've won a lot of battles. And we won a bunch in 2022. People forget we won the popular vote. If uh, if it had been a presidential year, we'd have picked up 297 electoral college votes. We flipped Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin in the popular vote category. Uh, there were a lot of things that can be built on heading into 2024 with the disasters that continue to befall America at the hands of Joe Biden. Uh, you, look, you're right. I, look, 2022, I, I put it in the loss column because it, we didn't meet expectations. So uh, yeah. whether the ones that were set or what's historical. But we made advances. There's no doubt about it. I mean, look, look at the House. And look at Kevin McCarthy, who I didn't like. And he got in and he, he, he won the House back. He got his shot, which I think is reasonable. He's been terrific. 
So far, man, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 He, he is such a calm, mild-mannered, nice-sounding man that when he takes on a reporter and just slices and dices with that smile, it's very effective. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I don't think the voters, and when I say the voters, I mean, I don't mean Republicans. I love fighting. I think normal voters want to see people work together and solve some of these problems. Uh, I don't think a great strategy would be to only be seen as someone who's in a conflict. But that being said, that doesn't mean you walk away from conflicts. I think he's doing the right thing now. Uh, I think he needs to up his statesmanship uh, uh, quotient, uh, as, as presented to the masses. Uh, remember, the, the cash words for 2024 are going to be normalcy and competence. They want people want things to quote go back to quote normal, and they want competent leaders who don't screw everything they touch up. That doesn't bode very well for a Trump run, does it? <laughs> uh, Normalcy well, it, is is the you know the, the left will blame everything that they caused in the disruption of the Trump presidency on him, and the media will will gaggle right along. Well, you know, Trump was a unique individual at a unique time. He was the right guy at that time. He's got to prove uh, that he's the right guy now, eight years later. All right. We'll we'll see. All right, my friend. Well, thanks so much for taking some time, coming out to Dana Point, uh, doing everything that you could. It was an honor to work with you and so many uh, trying to make this very difficult change when you're trying to turn a Titanic. It's It's just a slow, you know, it's a degree at a time. I think we made a dent. We sent a message, and we will build on that. God bless you. We'll have you on again. Be in touch as well, and you take good care of yourself. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. All right. The one and only Kurt Schlichter. We need to get to our break. We've got calls. Uh, so let's pause, and we will talk to you when we return on 710 K in U.S. Oh, it's that version. I, th- I thought that was the original. I kept waiting for them to sing we got to grab that one and stick it in there. I'm kind of the oldies dude. Anyway, welcome back. Wake up with Randy Corpin. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. Shake you out of your doldrums, out of your frozen state back here in beautiful Colorado. 28 degrees, 27 in Aurora, 28 over there in Denver in Decay, otherwise known as hell. And in a minute, I'm going to play for you the first interview that I'm aware of that Ronna McDaniel did After her victory, I think it was with a Fox News station. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. Mike Lindell has confirmed we'll have him on around 620. The pillow guy uh, only picked up four votes in his effort to uh, take down Ronna McDaniel, become the chair of the RNC. Uh, So we'll get his reflections on how that went down and what's next uh, and how he's going to focus his efforts because, man, nobody wants to win elections legitimately win elections more than that guy. And then Harmony Dillon will join us in the final hour. And I believe next hour we're going to have just a minute or two, well, more than that, but a few minutes to check in with the the son of one of my dearest friends. His name's Dr. Malachi O'Brien, Dr. Run. He's a pastor and uh, was a runner as an 18-year-old kid. uh, Somebody came across the lane, hit him head on. I represented him in the 
resolution of that accident. And one of the things the doctors told us and that we told the insurance company is this kid who's been a runner and a fast runner, a great runner, maybe a a chance to actually do something with his running, will never run again. I think today he ran his 114th marathon, 26-plus miles a day in a row. He busted the Guinness Book of World Records uh, weeks and weeks ago, and he ain't stopping yet. So we're going to get an update from him uh, just to see what's going on. I, I think it's such a wonderful, wonderful story. Before I play Rana's speech, though, especially this time of year when it's cold, so many colds and flus and garbage going around, people in the hospital, our law firm is getting called uh, from people who are not getting properly treated for COVID-19. And uh, uh, it's just unbelievable. So you want to do everything you can to protect yourself. And when it comes to creating and maintaining a healthy lifestyle, there's simply no magic pill or product that will do that work for you. And, man, I had to take a good hard look at my own health. And almost, what, two years ago, partnered with Dr. Julie McCallan, Dr. Tim Watt at Cenogenics Denver to create a sustainable and personalized healthy management plan that uh, really did work for me. Just imagine a medical situation where you're not just another number. Your doctor knows everything about you inside and out, spends time to discover all that's necessary to get and keep you well, and returns your phone calls. They keep you not only healthy, but optimally healthy. And that's the way they roll over there at Cenogenics Denver. Life's too short. Your health is too precious. Don't trust in someone that you're just assigned to. Don't settle for mediocre, long waits for test results or, again, those calls that never get returned. If you expect the best, you'll get the best by going to Cenogenics at 720-302-2992, 720-302-2992, or visit them at denver.cenogenics.com. That's denver.cenogenics.com. Now, I'm going to play this uh, Ron interview. It's only a couple of minutes, and I did text Ron from the plane before we lost signal. We had internet for about seven minutes, which really messed things up because I wanted to watch the Tyree Nichols video very carefully and closely, so maybe we could talk about that tonight, but I just don't feel qualified to do it. But um, after the loss at the RNC in Dana Point, Harmeet Dillon walked outside, and there's a, I saw a picture of it. I didn't go out there. I was We were still voting. We had other officers to vote on and all that. But she walked out, had the biggest press gaggle I have ever seen at a Republican National Committee meeting. And, uh, you know, she's, a, she's, a, she's not a tiny woman, but she's not huge in stature or height or anything else. Uh, very strong, sort of understated, very persuasive and effective. And the picture was taken from her back with kind of a long view, long lens, it seems like. And it was just her taking on the world. And so I'm very excited that she's going to join us in the final hour of the show. We'll talk about that and her thoughts as we move forward toward, um, you know, these off-year elections. And then, of course, the presidential primary and the big, the big deal in 2024. 
But right now, I thought it would be interesting for you to hear what Rana McDaniel had to say about her victory and about moving forward. Well, I, I felt like I had strong support from the committee because they really want to keep the consistency of the things we've done, voter registration, election integrity, and they know it's such a pivotal time heading into a president, presidential election, so they wanted to keep that, but they understand we're going to bring change in, too. In your statement that was put out right after the victory is secured, you said you look forward to working with Harmeet in the two years ahead. How do you think that will happen? Well, we're going to reach out. Obviously, it's it's after an election, but I'm going to call her, Mike Lindell, try and bring everybody together. My whole campaign for this election has been unity. We need all of us. We need addition, not subtraction. And we can't fight each other so much that we rec don't recognize that we've got to beat the Democrats. So that's what I'm, I'm going to do as leader of this party. I'm going to reach out to both of them. Is there an added role for her? We haven't discussed anything like that. Harmeet, in her comments to reporters, um, touted her grassroots support, and she said that the party, at its own peril, uh, if it doesn't listen to the grassroots, what do you, is your response? Well, I think the grassroots uh, has been fed some misinformation um, from her campaign, and we're going to reach out to them. I'm going to go on a grassroots tour. I would love for her to come with me. I want other leaders in our party to get, come with me, but they don't under, always understand what the RNC does, and that's our job to go out, but we love the grassroots. We appreciate them. We need them to go knock doors and be poll watchers, and I'm going to be traveling the country, getting them ready for beating the Democrats, because we can only do that united. And she also mentioned in her comments uh, that we can't, the RNC cannot have a perpetual chair. Uh, is this your last term? This is my last term as chair. I'm saying it on Fox News. It's done. Uh, this is my last term. I know how hard it is to ramp up with a new chair. I wanted to keep that consistency. We've made a lot of changes in my tenure with voter registration, minority outreach. The things that we've done have been historic. We need to continue that into that ne this next election, and then I'm happily going to pass the gavel to somebody else. Ronna McDaniel, an unprecedented fourth term. Well, not me. I don't know about unprecedented, unusual fourth term, especially after a presidential year loss. And then, of course, what for most of us were very disappointing results in the midterms, even though if you dig down into the numbers, look across the country, set aside a couple of those very high profile races. It was a very successful off year election for Republicans nationwide. Colorado, well, you know, we had all of the brainiacs, all the experts giving us our dream team of candidates. Of course, they all got slaughtered. But I'll tell you, I had some straight conversations with Rana before the vote, after the vote. She called, you know, what's your concern? What could I do to earn your vote? I was upfront with her that uh, I was going to hear everybody out and then announce my decision the night before. I did that. I did it on Twitter. I wrote something at the request of Campfire Colorado, which they put on their website and tweeted out as well and made it very clear. But after the vote and talking with Rana, she uh, she was talking about how hostile some people had been. And and I just kind of wandered into the conversation and she was just the opposite with me. She said, you know, you were straight with me and I appreciate that. I get the grassroots pressure. I get the fact that uh, uh, that's why you're here. Uh, but I respected it because you talked to me about it and I knew where you stood. And so I hope that that creates an opportunity to build uh, since we will have her for the next two years for these off-year elections and then the 2024 presidential, a very favorable Senate map for Republicans. Remember, 21 Republicans were defending their Senate seats in 2022, only 13 Democrats. 
Next session in 2024, that flips even more so. 24 Democrats defending seats, only 10 Republicans. So we have an opportunity for massive pickups in the Senate in 2024, as well as a uh, a strong potentiality for the presidential. So, you know, she's the chair. I'm a committee man. I intend to work with her, and I also tend to continue to educate folks on what's good, what was good, what isn't, just like I always do. Final hours in the books. If you missed any of it, we had Kurt Schlichter go back and grab the podcast later. They're up so quickly after the shows. Mike Lindell, world record holder, and Harmeet Dillon still ahead on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. Don't you dare go away from 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.